Hello, welcome to the Gab and Joe show. Still no Gab, he's still away on holiday, so Stu is with me again. Back-to-back shows. And as I always say, pleasure. Ah, thank you so much. What a week we've had with Champions League coming yeah. back, of course. Some of the first legs of the last 16 and there's a lot of scores or results that we expected the yep. one that we didn't expect and that's what we will start with because we talk after that about City and PSG where I've got a bit of Juventus a few transfer news there's a few things going on in the show but we have to start with Lazio and Bayern because Bayern Munich losing away in Rome in that first leg uh, of Off the last the back 16. of them losing to Leverkusen exactly two defeats in a row which yeah. very rarely happens to them um I mean, let's, let's say, not everything was bad no. in the performances. Certainly in the first half, they started well. Yeah. But then that second half was shockingly bad. So what, what do you think happened? Do you kind of lose confidence when you feel on top and you don't score and you feel frustrated? There's a bit of that. You get frustrated and you, you then try and maybe force it. Because um, they did create chances. They had yeah. 17 ch- uh, shots. Yeah. They didn't get any of them on target. There were chances in the first half. Yeah. Harry Kane should have scored when yeah. Muller played it back to him. I think uh, Musiala should have scored. So they were built up. And that was brilliant build-up play. That was Very the best, good. That's the best build-up play yeah, we, we saw from in the game. But in the second half, I think Lazio also gained confidence. Having kept a clean sheet in the first yeah. half, they then defended much better. They defended tighter. And there was just no, there was nothing creative about Bayern Munich in the second half. The two, you know, when I see Bayern Munich at their best, it's when their wide players are going past people, their wide players are getting turned. But it was all a little bit narrow in the front areas. definitely. And I wonder sometimes with Muller coming back into the side, whether that just hinders one or two of the other players. Musiala had to go that little bit wider, which I don't think he's a wide player. I think Musiala needs to be in the number 10 position. You know, Muller likes to make runs into the box, but he's not that creative with his passing or he doesn't doesn't dribble past people. So I think they were slightly hindered by him coming back into the side. But he he had his, what I would say, his best midfield, Kimmich and Goretzka in there. But there was just a lack of creativity in the second half. Yeah, I think, to be fair, the injuries to Gnabry and, and Coman oh. are a blow for that. For that massive, pace, massive. Especially against a low block like that. Yeah. This brings a lot of pressure on Thomas Tuchel, who yeah. already, even before the Bayer Leverkusen game, was under pressure, having fight with pundits and you know, yeah. media, dropping Kimmich for the Bayer Leverkusen game. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things clearly not... It's not happy camp, even no. before those two defeats. Do you think they could sack him? I mean, they've sacked Nagelsmann for yep. far less than what... To, you know, to yeah, I think there was, other, there, was other reasons why they, there was other reasons why they might True. have sacked Nagelsmann, True. Uh, other than just results. But if you look at Nagelsmann's results, they're far better than Thomas Tuchel's results. Thomas Tuchel got lucky last season, at the end of last season. Yeah. When he took over, the very first game he took over was against Dortmund. Yeah. And the goalkeeper for Dortmund makes horrendous blunder yeah. in, the, in the tenth minute or something, and they go on... <laughs> and cruise and win the game and everything's oh everything's rosy in the in the Bayern garden they're lucky to win because Dortmund lose the last game of the season when they yeah. should have won yeah. and Tuchel gets another chance because he's, he's won the title yeah. but this has been a poor season so far they've spent money on a, on a top class striker in Harry Kane you know yeah. who's, who's, who's scored a lot of goals but they just don't look, as you said, a happy camp. Yeah. The, either the board aren't liking Tuchel, Tuchel's not liking the board, Tuchel doesn't seem to like some of the players, yeah, the players sure. don't like him. Yeah. You know, whether that was the case at PSG, I don't yeah, know. But at, at Bayern, got... he doesn't seem to have got the players on yeah. side. And he's a, he's a divisive character anyway. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's either you're really behind him and you feel mm. that relationship or you don't at all and then you're, you feel a bit left out in mm. a way. We will talk about Upamecano's crazy tackle as well yeah. and, and you as a former player and as a former manager what yeah. you make of that 
um, on Harry Kane too because I thought that's, he, that's, his second half was one of the worst yes. half I've seen Harry Kane in a very yeah. long time playing. But let's show a little bit of love to finish on this segment for Lazio because, yeah, nothing, nothing special, mm. but very disciplined, structured, defensive yeah. performance. And then that penalty from Immobile, a bit of luck, of course. Yeah. But how, what kind of assessment do you have of their performance? Uh, it was good defensively, you know, and they're not a particularly good team. No, they're not. They're not, they're before, not a great side. They're not a great side. And when you look at the personnel, there's players in that side that I don't think are great defensive players. Yeah, yeah. Luis Alberto's not a great defensive no. player. Felipe Anderson, you know, when he was at West Ham, people were screaming yeah, to work yeah, yeah. harder and to defend more. Uh, Immobile, you know, stayed up front and, and, and you know doesn't really press the ball particularly well. But I thought they were well organised. Cataldi did a good job sitting in front of the, the, uh, the two centre-halves. The centre-half defended well enough. They had to make a substitution for one of them uh, yeah. fairly uh, early on in the game. But overall, Sarri got his tactics right. Um, had Bayern taken one of those chances early, early on, on yeah. it, could, it would have been a totally different game. Yeah, I'm sure, sure it would have been. But they grew in confidence. They created one or two good chances. I thought they looked a threat on the counter-attack. It was, it was good. There's three weeks now between this first leg and the second leg back in Munich. A one nil defeat from the first leg can easily be overturned, right? Mm. Or do you think that Lazio can kind of reproduce the same game and, and cause an even bigger upset by knocking them out. I don't think Lazio are good enough to do it over, over two, two games. I think that Bayern Munich will win the game. Uh, as long as they um, play at a fast tempo, they yeah. get their front players working hard, the midfield players drive forward, and they get an early goal. If they get an early goal, I think they could win by two or three uh, by yeah. the end of the match. Just on Lazio, and, and quickly on the, the, the Sarri tactical plan. Before the game, he had this... Apparently, I was told last night that they, they spend a lot of time in the in the video analysis room, yeah. which you know it's not nothing new. And he showed them particularly clips of the last two defeats they had, so the Bayer Leverkusen yeah. one. And there's nothing in this Lazio team that looks a little bit like Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah. But I think they wanted to show, look, this is this is how they like to attack, and this is how how we can nullify it. Yeah. And also their defeat against Werder Bremen, which was. More surprising, maybe because Werder Bremen are yeah. not by Leverkusen. However, so you can do it on one leg, as you said, at home with yeah. the crowd behind and being very narrow and very yeah. compact and all of that. Because as you said, why? There was Musiala yeah. and, and Sani on the other side. Sani, I think, played more backwards yeah. than forward in that yeah, game, yeah. which is quite crazy considering and how they, tight and, they, and they played in field as well. They, yeah. didn't play, they didn't play right out in the wide areas as they quite often do. Yeah. But you don't think over the second leg away that you could reproduce that kind of... We saw Copenhagen going to Munich and drawing the yeah. group stage, for example. So it's not impossible. It's not, I just don't think Lazio are good enough defensively. They yeah. put in a good performance and they got a little bit fortunate that Bayern Munich didn't take those early chances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they had taken those chances, it would have been a totally different game. So they got more and more confident. They then defended with greater urgency because, hey, we, we can get a result here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem when they go away, they've got to do it for 90 minutes. You know, and, they, and they've got to pose a, a threat on the counter-attack, which might uh, help Immobile, yeah, because yeah. Immobile, likes, he's not good with his back to goal, but he's good at running into yeah. to open space. Felipe uh, Anderson is, likewise, he's, he's not very good with his back to goal, but he can run with the ball and yeah, go past yeah, people yeah. if there's space in front of him. Uh, and Isaacson, you know, who played on the right-hand side, looked as though he, he, he's got a little bit of pace and yeah. he can come in field on his left it's foot and get strikes away. Sure. Um, but I, I just think Bayern, if... Tuchel can get the best out of some of the players he's got there and the players play for him in that game and if he's still the manager yeah, yeah, yeah. in Bayern, that game yeah, yeah, that's a... I think Bayern will just have a bit too much yeah. and I think that Sane and Kane will probably link up a little bit better than they did in that game you know, and, and the two midfield players need to be more dominant mm. You know something that really bothered me in that game 
and that, that I can't really understand, but probably because I've never played at that level. So help me out here. And maybe, maybe, by the way, it's, it shows also the, the difficult relationship between Tuchel and his dressing room because I, I, I struggle to comprehend how can Bayern be decent in the first half because they were decent, they yeah, created yeah. a bit. Yeah. And then so bad in the second half. So when you go back in the dressing room at halftime, right? Tuchel yeah. would have said, listen, boys, let's keep doing what we've been yeah. doing because this was, okay, still nil-nil, but it was not, as we said, it was not terrible. And yet, 10 minutes later, the same 11 players leave that dressing room and have a complete different second half than yeah. the first half in terms of like just, just nothing happening, really. So is it, is it on him for not being able to kind of re-motivate them for the second half? Is it on them for switching off? Is it a bit of everything? Is it? I would say it's a bit of everything, but yes, I, I fully agree. When you come out for the second half and you haven't scored a goal and the manager's in there saying whatever he's going to say, you know, keep doing the same things, you know. That's what you would but, have but, said, but right? all, As a yeah, manager, yeah. that's what you would have said. But also, I, always, I was always inspired by a coach or a manager that might come out with one or two points that might just change things. Yeah. They've got a problem down the left-hand side. Let's create a 2v1. Pep Guardiola, when he's got problems, always says, usually Kevin De Bruyne, yeah, yeah. you go and play out on the right wing next to our right winger and we create a 2v1 and that's yeah. where we're going to find space. He has a player in his side that he always uses to go and create yeah, yeah, a, a yeah. numerical advantage. Luis Enrique did that yeah, in yeah. the game at halftime yeah. yesterday too. And so, so Tuchel's got to come up with those sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. game plans. You know, he gets a lot of credit, over the, he has got a lot of credit over the years for being a, a top-class yeah. coach and a good manager. Now we've got to see it. You know, um, and I'm not seeing it at Bayern Munich. I'm not seeing him making good decisions. I'm not seeing him inspire the players. Yeah. They're a worse team now than they were when uh, Nagelsmann was the manager. Yeah. When Nagelsmann was the manager, you were shocked when they didn't win a game. Yeah. It's not quite the case with this. So I think the stats side. are 10 defeats for Tuchel in 43 matches mm. in all competitions. Nagelsmann in 86 or 85 lost 10. Yeah. So same amount of defeats, yeah. but twice in twice less game for Tuchel mm. almost than, than Nagelsmann. There's a lot of talk around Tuchel's future, of mm. course, because this is Bayern Munich. It's, yep. it's, this is not a normal club. Uh, although they usually don't sack managers halfway through the season, but now they've been doing it more and more. Nagelsmann yep. was one, Kovacs was one as well. If, if they were to sack him, there are two names currently that seem to be leading well, the I think I know one you're going to mention. So one is Hansi Flick, which yeah, you maybe can... you get him for the end of the season and he'd, he'd worked miracles before yeah. when he did that. So that might not be a bad idea. I mean, he won the title, I think, twice with him. Yeah, and, and he won the Champions League, of course. He won the Champions League. And he won the treble. And he wasn't sacked. He went to, to the German yeah. national team where he didn't do quite so well. Didn't do very well at all. No. But he did nothing wrong at Bayern Munich. They no. would want him to stay before yeah. he went to the German national yeah. side. So that seems an obvious that choice. That would make sense, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think, remember at Bayern Munich, the hierarchy have a lot of power, but so do the big players. Yes. Neuer. Yeah. Muller. Yeah. Kimmich. Yeah. You know, those sure. players have a big say. Yeah. Uh, what happens at a football club yeah, and yeah, I don't true. think any of those will be particularly pleased with Tuchel at the moment no that's true and I don't know how they left their relationship with Flick that must have been really good at Bayern but maybe with so. Germany yeah. maybe not so much it's, it's, a, it's an interesting point the second contender is Jose Mourinho who's apparently learning German I mean German is a difficult language I'm not sure he can pick it up that quickly but anyway he can ask Derek Ray Derek Ray yeah. can teach him oh my god imagine Derek as an assistant coach oh, slash translator yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd that would be, be, be great yeah. that would you know be like Mourinho was the interpreter for uh, Bobby, Bobby Robson yeah exactly Derek, Derek Ray interpreter Derek for... we've got a job for you yeah. here we go Mourinho's got to get the job first <laughs> would it be a good idea no 
Um, Mourinho, in my view, is he's not the coach or the manager he originally was. You know, yeah. when he first was at Porto and he was at Chelsea, everything he did seemed to be the right decision. He'd take people off at tw after 20 minutes and everybody would take notice of what he did. His tactics were good, he's, he's a counter-attacking. He was yeah. a much more adventurous coach then yeah, 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 than yeah. he's become. But now, the behaviour of himself, the behaviour that he gets from his players, no, in my view, no hierarchy would take him on because you don't want your club being in, uh, in disrepute. As You look at the Roma yeah, no, Europa, Europa League final. That was a disgrace. Yeah. Absolute disgrace Completely. by him but, and his players. Absolutely. Why would you take somebody on that in recent times yeah, yeah. hasn't done particularly well? His performance at Roma, I thought, was shocking. Completely. Roma I should have been right up the top of the yeah. table, but they've ended up sixth or seventh. Not good enough. But is there an argument to say that with such a good squad, because they still have a very good squad, yeah. So he doesn't need to spend money because the squad is already no. there. Okay, there's maybe a few like, tweaks to do there and there, and maybe strengthen that position or something. But, but not not an overhaul like at mm. Roma. But do you think the players, those players I was talking, Neuer, Müller, Kimmich, would accept Mourinho now? Do, do you think? I don't know. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think players now would respect Mourinho as they did previously. True. That's that's a good point. Don't forget though that even when Pep was there, mm. in the end when. Even, I think even some at the beginning just didn't like Pep because of all the fancy and yeah, yeah. all they want is to win. Yeah, know, yeah, the, yeah. In the German, the German mentality is yeah, all yeah. of that. It's like, you know, pure efficiency to go and win. This is what, if you do 100 passes before and you don't score, but if you do two passes and you score, we're going to take yeah, the two yeah. passes yeah, yeah. and the goal. Course, yeah. So maybe in that sense, they think a Mourinho who could deliver success in a way. But success hasn't, I mean, okay, I don't count the European Conference no. League. That doesn't count. So the, the, what's the last success? Exactly. Decent success he he, he was unsuccessful at Spurs. Yeah. You know, when you see uh, Postacoglu go in, after, you know, he's obviously had to go in after a couple of other managers, um, they look a much better side than they did under Mourinho. Yeah. They weren't, and Mourinho's argument is always, well, I don't care about being stylish, I'll win football matches and I'll win competitions. He didn't do that at Spurs. They, no. were, they weren't good enough. Uh, he didn't do it in his last job either at Roma. They were they were way off the pace. They should have been in the top four. That's that's yeah, yeah, yeah. normality. Absolutely. Absolutely. They were down in sixth or seventh and playing terrible football yeah. with a big squad and a and a good squad as well. Yeah, yeah. So Mourinho for me would be out. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I guess I saw. Um, I mean, it's, it's not. It's not. I don't think it's possible. But imagine having Flick for mm. now until the end of season and then try to get Klopp. To come over, and I know Club said he wants to take some time yeah, off yeah. because he's exhausted, which is completely fair enough. But if you're Club, could you refuse Bayern Munich? No, I'm not really sure if you can. No, that would be a great job for him. You know, that would be, yeah, I think that would be amazing. Um, are you worried a little bit about Harry Kane for what we saw in the last two games? So, anonymous against Bayer Leverkusen yeah. yesterday, pretty anonymous. I mean, especially yeah. the second half, there's a there's a there's a, a moment in the second half where he is the ball on the halfway line. First, he's really slow to turn. So he, he he's, he scans before receiving the ball. He receives the ball almost in the central circle. Turns, but this is laborious the way he turns. That pass, like me to you, is intercepted, right? Then Bayern still recovered the ball. The ball comes back to him again in the, in the, in, at the center of the pitch. He turns the other side and then has another pass intercepted. And I'm like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. Really, what is going on? Okay, no service. You can't score as a striker mm. if you don't have the service, right? Certainly not a striker like him. 
But then if he can't even link up the play, and, you know, he seemed really in that second half to be lethargic. Well, that's when he doesn't score and he doesn't play well, that's a great description of Harry Kane. He looks lethargic yeah. and cumbersome and a bit slow to yeah, turn, yeah. a bit slow to get away. And I'm always slightly surprised when he does the other thing because you see those sides you know, even at the start of the season I watched the I went over to Germany and watched his first two or three games where he scored goals yeah but his performances weren't particularly good I've seen him play for Spurs on many occasions where he's been absolutely brilliant yeah, yeah. but there's been lots of games where he's been lethargic and yeah. cumbersome and it's only the fact that he, he goes and gets a goal that yeah. oh, Harry Kane's back on form again yeah yeah I agree and I, he's a player that right at the start of the season, he, he was often rusty, he never scored in the first season. Yeah, that, that, that record, because it yeah. took him time to get fit. Yeah. I think he has to be fully fit and absolutely fresh to play at his very, very best. Yeah. And as soon as he gets tired or a slight injury, you can see him go off the ball completely. He might still score goals, yeah, but his yeah. general play isn't anywhere near as good. Yeah, it's interesting because they obviously bought him to deliver the Champions League, yeah. right? The idea yeah, was, yeah. this is what we need and then we can go and, and winning again. So if, if even him, with the season that he's having so far, yeah. is starting to, I don't know if he you know, doubts or anything, but if in those key games where you need to rely on him yeah. to beat Bayer Leverkusen, yeah. to beat Dortmund, to beat, to beat top teams in the Champions League, which Lazio are not, by the way, to see him in that kind of misform because yeah. that's what it is I think I, th I thought was a bit worrying to it, is, it is slightly worrying and if you buy a striker a top top striker you expect him to score goals that other people can't score yeah you can't just rely on uh, uh, balls coming into you're hitting him for six yards you know that uh, most forwards can do that yeah you, you've still got to be in the right place at the right time but Harry Kane when he's at his best you know when he scored all those goals for Tottenham and England is when the ball comes to him and he gets turned you know sort of 30 yards out and he Bites himself yeah, half a half yard and smashes yard, yeah. it in the, yeah, in the yeah. corner. Well, where did that come from? Yeah. That's what we're not seeing quite at the moment. No. Right, let's go on to Pamecano because in the end, this is the mistake that caused them the game, right? I think they mm -hmm. would have taken a nil-nil draw yeah. and I'm not even sure if Lazio, okay, his accent has that chance, yeah. that know your saves before that, when Pamecano loses yeah, yeah. the ball, by the way, the yeah. start of the second half. half uh, 35 yards out, yeah. something like that, yeah. And then, and then it's a nice move from yeah. Lazio, but really his mistake on the penalty and his red card mm. cost them the game. As a, as, a, as a coach, mm. do you understand his mistake? Is it too... It's a, it's, a, it's a kind of rush... Is he rushing himself to try... Because he's, if he stands in front of his accent, he's probably doesn't, yeah, yeah. that's all he needs to do. He doesn't need to go with his toes like that, right? Well, the, the players have to learn now. You know, forget what was what I would have considered twenty yeah, yeah. years ago, because that wouldn't have been even effect. The ref, because there's no VAR, yeah. and the and the player got his shot away, so the referee wouldn't have even looked at it. But now players have to know you cannot go with your stature. There has to be a complete change of technique yeah. with tackling. He's almost got to go with his side foot and as if he's side foot passing it, so he's getting a block in. Yes, that's the way, that's the way he has to go and challenge there. You cannot go with your stud showing because as soon as your stud and it could be that the Isaacson's as he's kicked through the his follow through takes you into the boot. Yeah, yeah. But when a VAR looks at it, it looks bad. You yeah. know, it looks as though he's yeah, gone right yeah. down anyway. his shin. The studs are there, and the referee goes, you know, penalty, yeah. and you've got a red card for the bad challenge. So. It's poor technique, I would say, from Upamecano. He's not, and a bit of anxiousness, you know, I've got yeah. to go and get a block in. Yeah, because you see him, he's, he's yeah. in a good position, but you see him, yeah. he wants to intervene. Yeah, he's yeah. there, he's, and... 
Yeah. Maybe to emerge, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's, he's, he's lost the, the, the team, the, the game, because yeah. it's, it's, it's everything, isn't it? It's uh, you give a penalty away, which they're going to score from, you get yourself sent off, and for the last 20 minutes, they were, Bayern 10, yeah. were down to 10 men and couldn't really uh, muster any sort of attack. So yeah. he's lost the game for them in the end. You know, he's 24 now. I think he was, he was a very talented kid yeah. as a centre-back. He started in France when he was really yeah. young. And I think... I think did well at Leipzig, learned a lot from Leipzig, mm-hmm. I think. And I think the move from Leipzig to Bayern made sense. Yeah, because yeah. But sometimes it feels, and I watch him with France all the time, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to learn. I've seen him doing that mistake mm-hmm. six months ago mm-hmm. with France. Exactly the same yeah. one, where he goes in, he doesn't really need to go in. He goes in, it's, it's rushed, it's rushed, and it's clumsy. And in the end, he cost his team badly. I, I've slightly worried about him on, on certain occasions when I've been live at games. Yeah. And I'm watching him, you know, as a centre back. And he's quite good on the ball. He's not brilliant, but he's, he's no, good yeah, on the he ball. Can come he's out quick. With, yeah, he's really he's quick. He's powerful. He's good in the air. He doesn't. And sometimes when players are quick and powerful, they don't read situations because they, it, yeah. when they're younger, they don't need to. Yeah, they cover by the pace, yeah, right? Th- there's so. been times when I think. How's he not seen this? You know, that, that bloke's going to run in behind you and he hasn't seen it. And yeah. then he recovers and he has yeah, to do a last-ditch so challenge. Right? Yeah, yeah. he's quick. So I think he's... And playing for a team that's always usually on top, he can gamble yeah. most of the time. Yeah, he, yeah, he can, yeah, he can sort of almost... I'll try and make interceptions because they're not good enough to play around us. They don't have that much yeah. of the ball, the opposition. Whereas when he was at Leipzig, he had to do a lot more defending. He had to read the game better because yeah. they weren't always on top. When you're playing for Bayern, I know they've lost a couple of games, but they're still... In most of the games, going to have most of the possession. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah and, sure. and most of the defending is quite easy because it's going to be played into somebody's yeah. feet, and he can go and get tight to them. But when he has to make decisions, he doesn't always make the right decision. No, that's true. And also, he will miss obviously the second leg now. Yes, so Tuchel who doesn't fancy De Ligt. No, otherwise, you know, I think De Ligt would have played. We might have a dire Kim. Oh dear, I know perhaps and to back. But again, in a game where Bayern will probably have a lot of the ball yeah. and will attack and attack. But I think that Upamecano not being there. Mm. Uh, plus some of the other injuries, the uncertainty around Tuchel, all of that would make those three weeks until mm. the second leg really interesting, and then that second leg really interesting as well. He's under a lot of pressure, Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, so are the players now. Yeah, yeah. Right, enough Lazio and Bayern. What about some crickets, Stu? Absolutely. Let's go, Jules. Manchester City easily beat Copenhagen in Denmark on Tuesday night thanks to another top performance from Kevin De Bruyne. He was outstanding, as you'd expect. Yeah. And whenever I watch him, he keeps making those same runs and teams never seem to, <laughs> to, to go with it. Because I suppose they're worried that if he comes shorter and he gets on the ball, he's going to yeah. pick out a pass. Yeah. But he makes that run through the inside right position time and time again. You know, and, and that's that's the key to the way he plays. Then the cutback, then the shots at the goal, the goal, goal, the goal like that, then yeah. the cutback. And yeah. that's a brilliant play with, with Foden. And then he went on the other side and did exactly the same runs through the inside left position. He looks... I wouldn't say fully fit, but he looks back he looks to his good, best. Yeah. And when he's playing, they can always see a pass, can't they? I guess Haaland not scoring, despite having chances, maybe. Uh, but at least he's having chances. True, I, I always worry about a centre-forward when they're not getting yeah, chances. for sure. He had, for sure. He, there was one he had where he went down the side of defender in the second half with yeah. great pace. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, the king yeah, makes yeah. a good save, but that's yeah, what I that's expect good. from Haaland. You know. uh, just one on Edison's mistake. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a poor mistake. For um, someone so good on the ball, yeah, it's really... It was, it was a, yeah, he just misplaced it, didn't yeah, he? You yeah, know, Ake's making the run out to the to the wide area and he doesn't play it wide enough. And, no. he, and uh, it's, it's a bad mistake. And sometimes you don't get punished, sometimes you do. They got punished yeah. with a good finish. Yeah. Now, Jules, you were in Paris to see PSG's win against Real Sociedad. How was it? Well, at halftime, I won't lie to you, I was like, oh, my words. I like... And not just that, I came all the way here to see this rubbish. I don't know what happened in the first half. I think in many ways it's still a young team, this PSG team, and and maybe I don't know, maybe they were just not ready, you know. And were Rashidad, they surprised by Real Sociedad? So but how can you be surprised? Yeah. We, they did yeah. exactly what we knew. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, they pressed really well for an hour because after that they ran out of steam. Yeah, yeah. And they are quite intense for an hour because after that they ran out of steam. And it almost felt like PSG were not ready for it, didn't know what to expect. And it took them 45 minutes to get into the game. Second half was much better. Mbappe was better. He obviously scored to, to break the deadlock. Luis Enrique, as we said earlier, moved Ruiz from the holding role uh, and Vitinha as an eight and swapped them over. And yeah. that was much better because Vitinha is much better at... He's more press resistant. Yeah, so yeah. Rasul Sida were trying to press again, but not as efficiently because they he were tired. he played around that pressure, and yeah. He, he played around the press. And then once they go forward, the second goal, Barcola, Dembele oh. first, Barcola is... Oh, great, great goal. Yeah. So, 2-0, I, I would have liked them to try to push again for a third. And it seems like they, after the second goal, they kind of went into less manage the game yeah. mode, which I was a bit surprised. But 2-0... Should be okay. I think that'd be good it's enough. Yeah. Real Madrid made a big step towards the quarterfinal uh, with the win away at RB Leipzig on Tuesday night. 1-0. But shoot, that wasn't easy, was it? It certainly wasn't. I thought Leipzig played really well really for longer. Sesko looked... I know he missed chances. Yeah. But he looked a threat. He made yeah. good runs. He was decent in the air. He looked quite quick. Uh, they pressed Real Madrid early on in the game. They kept on winning the ball back in, in good areas. They were really good. Uh, Real Madrid were off the pace at, right at the start of the game. Um, but they've got that threat on the counter. You know, when you yeah. when it goes out to Vinny Jr., even though he was double marked at yeah, times, he yeah, still had yeah, the ability yeah. to make, take them 30, 40 yards down the field. Rodrigo got more into the yeah. game. Brahim Diaz, who we talked about yeah. on, on Monday, came in Great and did ball. a very good job and, yeah. and scored a goal out of nothing because when he picked up the ball, there was no real threat. Uh, and... I think they just about just about managed the game in the end, Real yeah. Madrid, but it certainly wasn't easy. And Leipzig, with that goal disallowed as well, so early yeah. on, which was a massive mistake. Yeah, man. I think it was a massive mistake. Really mistake, yeah. and that could have changed something. So they could feel, could feel I think, harshly done, yeah. and now the tie seems to be, to be gone, right? But one of the reasons that Leipzig didn't score was Chiuamani. I yeah. thought he was magnificent, as did you. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we mentioned it a little bit on Monday. Uh, he's not centre-back, of course. There was a, a lovely uh, conversation at the end in the tunnel between Kamavinga, Chouameni and Simakan, who's also yeah, French. Yeah. And, uh, and Chouameni says to Simakan, like, you know, they, I know that now I'm going to play a bit centre-back, but centre-back. And, and Kamavinga says, I said to him, I said, it's OK. You know, I played left-back last season. It's OK. You'll be OK. And Simakan was laughing. And I thought Chouameni was maybe Real Madrid's best player. With Lunin, with Lunin, of course, who made the save. But strong, good in the air, which you mentioned after the Girona game. Yeah, too. he is good in the air. You yeah, because if you if you see him play uh, in, uh, every week, quite often he's the target for set plays at the other end. Yes, that's you know, true. Because people don't pick him up quite. So they, they, he's not playing at the moment, but Rudiger and players like that, they pick those up and they think Chiumain is a midfield player. He won't be that good in yeah. the air. Yeah, but he's the one that attacks the ball. So he's now doing it in a defensive role and he's doing it very well. And you know what's interesting? I think is he he obviously. Has always been a six or eight, yeah. or six or eight. When he was at Bordeaux in the academy, yeah. then when he went to Monaco, 
So I'm not really sure that head, heading the ball has been a skill that he learned, you know, because yeah. he was a centre back, so he had to work on that side of his game, or I don't know for whatever reason. And for him to be so good at it almost naturally, then mm. in a way, I think it's really remarkable. Well, he's got natural spring, yeah. I think, you know, so he times his jumps as well. He yeah, yeah, definitely. And, he's and it's much easier to go from a centre half, sorry, from central midfield to become a centre back than it is to then do the, the other, other round, isn't it? Yeah, around. of course. The few of them have done that kind of like path because because everything's in front of you. Yeah, you can read the game. If you go from centre back to centre midfield, suddenly it's all happening around yeah, you. You've yeah, got to be more yeah. aware, and it's, more, it's far more difficult. That's true. Let's go for more crickets to uh, to come back to the City game on Tuesday night. The bad news, however, for Pep Guardiola and his team was that Jack Grealish came off quite early mm. with what looks like a groin injury. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's bad for Jack Grealish because you know, he hasn't had a lot of game time this year. Yeah, five games in yeah. a row on the bench, I think he had uh, before this time. It's, it's not great news for Pep Guardiola because that's another player that he can't pick when they're going to have a lot of games coming up. Yeah. Uh, do I think it's uh, bad news, really bad news for Man City? Probably not, because I haven't been impressed with Jack Grealish since he's been at Man City. OK. Um, what, in terms of stats, in terms of...? In terms of the way, that his effectiveness. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, when, okay. when, when he was at Aston Villa, I saw a player that I loved watching, that would go past people down the outside, he'd drive past people on the halfway line. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't do that anymore. You know, he'll take two touches towards the byline, come back, and pass it square. So many moves slow down when it goes to Jack Grealish. You know, I prefer to see Doku on the field and going past people. I yeah. think when he came on, they looked a more uh, all-round team. They had pace in a wide area. Jack Grealish does what I think most, at the moment, most footballers could do. Try and go down the outside, can't do it, chop back, play to a fullback or play to a midfield player. So I've been disappointed with what Jack oh, Grealish yeah, has produced. So I think a lot of it is what Pep wants him to uh, do. Probably, but then... He prefers the alternative quite often, which is Doku. Playing yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think there's more to Jack Grealish than we're seeing at the moment. Fair enough. Fair enough. On Monday night, Chelsea came back from a goal down to beat Crystal Palace away, Jules. Good performance? Yeah. So, first half terrible. Yeah. I mean, they, I don't think they had a shot on target no. in that first half. And Palace were not very much better, to be fair, but they, they took the lead. Uh, and then, and we've been quite critical of Pochettino on the show. Yeah. Me, you, Gab everyone to be fair and especially I've never really been impressed with his in-game management yeah in Paris even at Spurs and I have to say credit to him for changing a half time to make the right uh, tweaks in what the team was playing and it was a much better second half and in the end I think they deserved to to win even if they scored the two winning goals late in the game in in uh, in garbage time as Gab likes to say but I thought it was a much better performance the, the issue I have is the lack of consistency, but which mm. we've said before about Chelsea. How can you be really good against Villa away, yeah, and then come back to the the uh, this this non-football of the first w half of Palace, which, which suggests that there's no consistency in what's being said in the dressing room. You would room think so, exactly, or on the training field, because you would think so. Whenever I thought of Pochettino when he first came to Southampton, when he first went to, they were a team that were high energy, yeah. pressing the ball, they got it forward quickly. Whenever I see Chelsea play badly, they do exactly the opposite. So I'm not. And then when they play against Aston, they do yeah. all the right things yeah. again. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know. It's really strange. It's really strange. But let's hope that that could. I mean, we say that every time they win, we say, oh, that could be a, a yeah. starting point in the season. And it very often it's not. I'll tell you what is not going to be a turning point in that season, or might be, is that defeat for, Chris, for Crystal Palace puts even more pressure on Roy Hodgson's mm. future. If, you, if, you were, if we were together, because they're co owners, uh, the two owners of. 
Crystal Palace. Mm. What would we do? Well, you'd be ahead of me because you've got more money, so you'd, probably be, the, you'd be the head owner, <laughs> and, I'm young, and, I, and I'd just be the assistant. Uh, if I was an owner now, I'm afraid to say I would probably um, sack... Uh, but it's fair to say we would have never given him another year in no. his contract, right? No, no. He came in for Vieira last yeah. season, did a decent job, kept them up, and then yeah. last summer we would have said, thanks, Roy, yeah. but let's get a good plan here yeah. with somebody with a vision and that we can look forward yeah. to, right? Yeah, and... I've seen so many clubs. I was at one at the time when Wimbledon went down all those years ago yeah. when uh, Egil Olsen came in. And it was obvious by Christmas that the club was going in a downward spiral. Yeah. I think they lost 17 out of 18 games towards the end of the really? season. Uh, they only got one draw. That was the second last game of the season and, and obviously went down. But you could see there was no way back for the yeah. team. You know, no matter what he was going to do in changing the personnel or changing the tactics or the, cl the club and the players had turned against him and it wasn't going to happen. The fans have a big say yeah. at Crystal Palace at the moment and they're not happy with what's going on behind the scenes but they're also not happy with the manager. Some yeah. of the manager's comments haven't endeared himself yeah. to the fans either and, you, and, and obviously the players are upset at the moment and don't see any sort of consistency in what they're doing. The football's not great, uh, they're not scoring enough goals if they don't make a change, there's every chance they might be right down in the relegation zone come the end of the season. So there's, there's talk about Oliver Glasner, remember him from Wolfsburg, yeah. who yeah. took them in the Champions League, then won obviously the Europa League against yeah. Glasgow Rangers with Frankfurt, yeah. who I think is a good, high-intensity, uh, quite direct uh, manager, which could be, I think, interesting, yeah. to be fair. I think it could be really, really interesting. I just think that why wait now anyway? Yeah, because you, you need a change. Weekend, you, yeah, you said it. You need a, you need a change. Not whether it's the manager. You need some some sort of change. Yeah, I don't think Roy Hodgson will give Crystal Palace that change. He's not going to suddenly come out with new tactics no, no, and, a new, and a new way of playing because he's stayed in his ways because he's been a manager for so many years. Yeah, yeah. So they need somebody else, I think, now to come in yeah. and, and change it completely. Leah Williamson has been called back for England by Serena Weigman after 10 months out. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, I think, I think even if she's just come back and you know, she yeah. hasn't played that, that much, to be fair, since coming back from her, her really bad ACL injury, I like, I like it. And I know, I know I've been a bit critical of Southgate for doing it with Maguire, for example. Yeah. But it's, it's different because Maguire was not playing and we're still being called up for England. Mm -hmm. For Williamson, such a key player for this team, obviously the former, the former captain, She's fit as soon as she's fit, as soon as she's mm. played with Arsenal, even if she's maybe not fully match fit because she needs a bit of more game time and yeah, etc. Yeah. You bring her back. She brings so much on the field, off the field as well. I think she deserves that, that to be to being called back. Will she be the captain again? I don't think that's been decided yet by, by Vickman. Millie Bright took the, the armband yeah. while Williamson was out, but now Millie Bright is also injured and she's yeah. not in this squad. So I think it would also make sense for Williamson to get the, the armband back. Yeah, why not? But I just, I just like the fact that you kind of bring that continuity. You were out because of injury, not because you were not good at the pitch, not because you did something wrong. And if she's, done, if she's done a rehabilitation, right, and, yeah. the, and the medical team have done their job, the fact that she said, I'm now fit and I've played a game, she should be fit to play anything. Yeah, that's, I that's how I always yeah. worked as, a, as an injured player. When I came back, I was probably fitter than when I came out the side uh, uh, being injured because I trained I, mean, I yeah. trained seven hours a day there was no I wasn't getting ready for a game yeah. I could train as hard as I wanted to or the, or the physios could train me as hard as I wanted to to be super fit so when you came back you were probably fitter than you were when you got injured yeah. in the first place Sure, Liverpool are going, uh, going to grant Sven Goran Eriksson his wish of mm -hmm. coaching the team uh, as we know he's got cancer and he's a Liverpool fan and he said ah, my dream has always been to, to coach them well they're going to make that 
becoming true because he would be on the bench for a charity game that they're organising yeah. for him, which I think is a lovely, lovely gesture. It's a nice gesture. The fans will get right behind yeah. him. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a sad time in his life, um, but it's, it's, a, it's a great occasion for him. You know, being a Liverpool fan, I don't think he's actually going to coach the team. He's going to be yeah. on the bench. Yeah, which, yeah. But it's still, yeah, I'm sure he get a lovely reception. Yes, it will, sure. it will warm everybody's hearts, and uh, it's the right thing to do. It's a nice gesture by, by the club and yeah. the fans. Yeah. They, I think the fans asked for it as yeah, well, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was also on Monday night, Jules, but Juventus were beaten at home by Udinese. Yeah, you were commentating on that game. Yes. I really enjoy your commentary, as always. Yeah, you my don't friend. always say No, that. what I didn't really enjoy, however, is the Juve performance. And what Allegri... I mean, I, we should not be surprised because that's what they've done all season mm. anyway. I think they have a good squad. Uh, maybe a really good squad in certain position. But there's just, not, there's just nothing happening. And his, his coaching is weird, right? Yeah. We agree on that. And then some of the players like Kiesa, I think there's an issue with Kiesa, yeah. right? Because he hasn't been playing. He's out of contract in 2025. That, that formation, if you play the 3-5-2, there's no room for him because you can't mm -hmm. play him win back unless you're chasing the game like they did uh, in, towards the, the end of the game. So, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you Bad make Bad substitutions it? as well? Yeah, I think so too. Bad substitutions and just... I think they will finish second because Milan are third behind. But Inter are far... Far oh. better than the Inter are the best team, team in yeah, Serie A by Juve. an absolute mile. Yeah, and I think Juve are just disappointing overall. For a team that doesn't play in Europe this season, mm -hmm. to give us that when they've had a whole week to prepare for this Udinese game. And Udinese are just not even that good. So I was very... And it was Allegri's 405th game in charge. Oh my God. Well, there's a lot of too many games in charge in there. <laughs> Sure, we mentioned it on our last show, but after the Premier League now, the FA, the English yep. FA, has also given the green light for Jim Ratcliffe to, mm -hmm. uh, uh, to arrive at one of Manchester United minority shareholders. He's going to take the 25%. We know the story. His first task will be to find a sporting director. Yep. And the name that keeps coming back is Dan Ashworth, the yep. current Newcastle director of football or whatever it's called there. Do you think that's the right candidate? He's got a lot of experience. Yeah. I remember when he first went to West Bromwich Albion. That's right. That was when sporting directors in England or exactly. technical directors were never, yeah, were never really talked about. Yeah. I'd be interested to know what his actual job would be because I think a sporting director, he'd be in charge of the recruitment side of yeah. it. He'd be in charge of the academy and how they coach the players. He'd be in charge of uh, the general way that the club has its philosophy yeah. uh, and the way they're going to, you know, the discipline maybe, the, the way they want to play. Uh, the only thing you have to have as a, a sporting director is a good relationship with the manager. If that relationship doesn't True. work, you've got a major problem. Yeah. And everybody tells me that Dan Ashworth is a, a really nice bloke yeah. and, and, uh, and easy to get on with and good at the job. Uh, it'll need to be to get on with Eric Ten Hag and make sure that Manchester United go further forward. That relationship is key to whether yeah. it's successful or not. To the point that we often say, appoint your sporting director first yeah. and then with him, choose the manager that... Yeah. Yeah. He knows yeah. we'll share the same ideas. So, so, so the, the sporting director chooses the yeah. manager and he, because he's chosen him, he'll want him to be successful. Yeah. Usually when a sporting director comes in at, and a manager's already there, there's always that they little bit of attention. fear. Yeah. You know, is, he, is he the same sort of, got the same sort of thoughts as me? Yeah, um, um, yeah. But it, he seems the right sort of character. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Quincy Promise has been found guilty of drug trafficking. Oh, my dear. <laughs> and sentenced for, to six years in jail, Jules. This is crazy. This is crazy. So, remember, he stabbed his uh, cousin uh, a few years ago yeah. uh, in the leg. And for that, he got 18 months uh, as mm. a jail sentence. 
which he can't do because right now he's in Russia, he plays for Spartak Moscow, mm. and there's no extradition between the yeah. Netherlands and Russia. So as long as he stays in Russia, he won't go to jail, he won't do anything in, in, in the Netherlands, and unless he comes back home to yeah. the Netherlands, and then it's different. This is for importing uh, drugs to, or to be part of a team that imported drugs to the Netherlands. I think the f 600 kilos the first time, and then they got busted for 700 kilos the second time. Uh, I mean, this is this is unreal for somebody who's still playing football. Right, this is a, a professional, yeah. a professional player. He must be earning uh, fortunes yeah. playing football. Uh, uh, Why would you need to put all through, that at risk through his career? That yeah. would have earned a lot of money, yeah. right? He played for Ajax. He played yeah. for big clubs. He, he's a, he was an international player. Yeah. I just, I don't know. This is blowing my mind. This is. I want a Hollywood movie on Quincy Promise and his life and why and the reasons. I just anything. This is like incredible. Something, I don't think must, be, something must be slightly missing, yeah. doesn't it? If you want to do that sort of thing. Because we've seen like retired players. Yeah. Post career. Yeah. Going and do crazy things that we've seen that. Yeah. In a lot of countries, but while playing, to do that and to get sentenced, uh, it's just like wow. Unreal. Another another quite interesting story this week, Stu. Heung-Min Son was involved in a fight. Yeah, that's yeah. Heung-Min Son. While at the Asian Cup with South Korea, around table uh, uh, table tennis. Is that what you said? Ping pong. I'm glad you said table tennis. It's not ping pong. It's, it's table, table tennis. tennis. That's why. But then I want to be sure that that was the right word. Yeah. Uh, with some of the younger members of the squad, yeah. and then he kicked off because I think uh, Son wanted them to wait until dinner was formally finished before going and play because it seemed that the younger ones were going to play while some of the senior players were still eating or something like that anyway it kicked off uh, Lee the PhD player was involved it, wow I mean there's nothing unusual in your career you must have seen teammates fighting on the pitch off the pitch yeah, usually not over whether somebody left the lunch <laughs> table too early I know I mean there was uh, uh, Arsenal there was two players that uh, had three or four fights they didn't like really? each other yeah, they still played cards on the coach going to games together. But whenever there was training and it got a little bit feisty, those two the players way. would end up rolling around on the floor having a puncture. <laughs> and, and would you would you just leave them or would the you manage, separate the, them? Well, the players usually let them get on with it. And the manager, uh, there's, there's quite a, 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 a... If you can picture this, we were playing Plymouth away. Right. We stayed overnight in the hotel and the players were allowed to go out and... Uh, uh, I was rooming with Dave O'Leary at the time. We heard a bit of a fracas down the corridor. Right. So what do you mean go out? Go to the pub? They could go to, to a, oh, whatever they, everywhere, okay. anywhere they wanted. And, right. and these two players came back down the corridor arguing. And the next thing you can hear, they're rolling around on the floor fighting. <laughs> the next thing is, you know, we opened the door to look. And Don Howe was, uh, was the yeah. manager, came out. And he's in his pants and socks. <laughs> Uh, and no t-shirt no t-shirt and oh my he was God. quite a big man yeah 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 I remember so yeah I think so he had his pants sorry he had his pants his socks and his shoes on and he came out to break it up but that yes oh I God. won't tell you who the players were it's but, not always but bad one, one, right? one was an England fullback and the other one scored a winner in the cup final okay. against Manchester yeah, United so you probably yeah, you probably uh, you probably got that Brentford have two uh, sorry Brentford have a new signing Jules yes who's that I think they are preparing for the post-Ivan Tony yep. era, of course. I think they've been very clear that he will be sold in the summer. And they've already signed his replacement. He's called Igor, Igor Thiago. Sorry, he's a Brazilian striker, six foot two, tall guy who plays for Club Bruges in yep. uh, the Belgian league. Doing really well this season. Scored 16 goals already. He's the top goal scorer in the league. Uh, 
I don't think technically maybe as gifted. I think I think Tony is uh, people underrate how good yeah. he is technically yeah. as as well as strong. But you could see some similarities with. Tony a little bit and I think he could fit really well in what and Brentford, Brentford usually do their homework yeah. pretty well don't they yeah. in terms of stats yes. and all that sort of stuff very true I think they found the profile that they wanted yeah. that's a bit similar uh, with big room for improvement he's only 22 years old yeah. so even if it's uh, he played for Ludo Goretz uh, before in, in Bulgaria even if he's still quite young in European football and certainly he doesn't know any of the big mm. five leagues because he went yeah. Bulgaria, Belgium but you can see the progress there uh, so I'm, I'm really interesting is their record signing 30 yeah. million pounds plus some bonuses so it's, a, it's quite a, like a big investment for yeah. them they, they did well to replace Watkins with Tony yeah. now they're going to lose Tony they've replaced him with Igor Thiago so let's see let's see how he does but I, you know what I like is that we are mid-February and yeah. they've got that in the bag. They don't yes. have to worry about it anymore. It's done. It's, it, well, everybody we, tells me that Brentford are one of the best clubs that, and that, for that, with their yeah, recruitment exactly. and the way they look at players and the way they're Absolutely. able to sign players. They do it all very, very well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And sticking with transfers news, uh, Stu, what do you make of Inter Milan signing Meditaremi from Porto as a free agent and... Piotr Zielinski from Napoli also has a free agent as a free agent in the summer. Well, I know more about Zielinski than I do yeah. about Taremi, so I'll let you talk about Taremi and I'll talk about Zielinski. Zielinski, I've always thought, has been an excellent player uh, for Napoli. You know, whether he's been a, a slightly holding player, which he can play, but he's best when he's almost playing through an inside left position yeah. where he goes and joins yeah. in the front. Yeah, yeah. I think he's clever with his passing. He's got close control. He can. He's got quite good energy. He'll get up and down the field. Um, you know, at the moment, Inter have got a very good midfield, but one or two of them are slightly ageing. I think you yeah, give yeah. them a better balance to the side. Uh, I think it's a good signing. Zielinski is a good player, very good As player. As a free agent, yeah. I think he's good. And for Taremi, he's 30. He's got loads of experience with Iran and with Porto in the Champions yeah. League every year. I think, having seen a few stats, he's a, he's more than one in two over his last two yeah. clubs. Yeah, and, yeah, and internationally, he's, yeah. I think he's 45 in something like uh, 80. Something really like. good. And okay, Lautaro and, and Turam would be the front two mm. regardless. Yeah. Behind that, you've got Arnatovic and Alexis Sanchez right yeah. now. Taremi is better yes, than of both of them, yeah. probably even combined. Yeah. He gets you aerial threat he's obviously good in the air he's good with his feet he can hold the ball I think this is a, again a very very smart signing for me two very smart signings from them Aston Villa have announced that Kamara uh, will miss the rest of the season oh, with an ACL injury that's terrible isn't it yeah yeah terrible I mean he's been so good this year him and Douglas Ruiz one of the reasons why they've been doing except so well except against Chelsea where yeah. he had an absolute shock yeah, he had a been, in, in the main he's been very good in yeah. the field and, and against United he yeah, I, think, I thought he was good, picked up that injury, he will obviously miss the Euros mm. as well. I think he had a, a decent chance to go with France. Uh, there's a lot of players in midfield, and the last position would have been between him and Fofana from Monaco. It's, it's really sad, it's really sad, uh, because when you had that momentum at a young age like him, it would have been really good to, uh, to finish the season on a high. Mm. Um, so let's hope that he recovers well. That's the most important with an ACL and that he can come back better next The season. operation is going to be key. Yeah. Definitely. Successful operation yeah. and then you can do the recovery. Yeah. Kobe Mainu, one of the revelations, of course, uh, of the season in the Premier League and Manchester United, is eligible for both Ghana, mm. uh, from where his parents' background is, and England, of course, where he was born. And apparently, it's true, according to some reports here in England, he will take his time to choose who to play for. 
he might not have that choice for very long if he gets picked for one of the squads true. he's got to make a decision yeah, uh, true. and I hope that neither uh, country would just pick him just for the sake of well, get him on board true although yeah. friendly is you can still you can switch still, yeah. again after that yeah, yeah. so but, yeah yeah uh, I think he's right to take his time. Uh, it's what he, where he feels his heart is. Yeah. You know, he, he, obviously playing for England, you're going to be playing against the world's best more often than not. Yeah. Ghana, you, you're going to have to go to the African Cup of Nations, which is a great tournament, but it's going to take you away from the from the Premier League. Yeah, at the time. that's true as well. Um, qualification for the World Cup won't be quite so easy with Ghana as it, it possibly yeah. is with England. And would not go as far probably. Yeah, and, and they've also got the European Championships yeah. as well. So all those sort of things... Will he get chance? Is there better players in England than there will be for Ghana? Probably so. Yeah, yeah. So he's got to he's got to judge his that own ability as well. Yeah. yeah. Am, am I? Do I think I'm good enough to be a regular in England's team? That's that's the big yeah. question for him. And I think also, and I, you know, I talk about having children born here from yeah. a Welsh mum and a French yeah. dad. So at some point, if my children uh, were to represent a country in whatever yeah, yeah. sports or whatever thing, they would have to pick between being from Britain yeah. or for France. Not and Welsh. Well, yeah, Welsh, like, yeah, like, like Welsh rugby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be yeah. Welsh, Welsh rugby or, I mean, cricket, they, they play with England. So it's a bit different, but you see what I mean. And I think what some people maybe underestimate is, and when I say pressure, it's not, it's not in no, a no. bad way, a negative no. way, but... You know, your parents are, or your dad is from France, or your mum is from Wales, or your parents are from Ghana, and they also want you to. I would want my kids to play for France, yeah, yeah, yeah. more than England would, yeah. or Wales. You know, and I think Kate. My what do you wife, think Declan Rice's parents thought? Well, he started to play, play for, for Ireland, Ireland so yeah. yeah, I think they would have probably been very happy they yeah. played for Ireland. And so, and and I, and I understand as a son or as a daughter that you also want to make your parents proud, and if you play for their country or where they were born. That makes them super proud. And in yeah. France, we have a lot of yeah. that dilemma for players to pick. And recently, Usamawa, yeah. who played for France in friendlies, decided to switch and to go to play for Algeria, obviously his parents' country. And that made them very happy. So I can understand how difficult I think the, the decision to, to take is. Let's hope he's happy with his decision. Yeah, exactly. The end of it. Yeah. Now, Antoine Griezmann was gifted a lovely present by Atletico Madrid. Joe. Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, as you know, he broke the uh, goal scoring records, of course, of uh, Luis Aragones. And, and both sets, when he came on the field, both sets of players in the game. That yeah, that was lovely. It was lovely. I yes. know, that was really lovely. And as you also know, he's a big US sports fan, mm -hmm. NBA and NFL. And when you achieve something, especially win mm -hmm. the title in the NBA or, or the NFL, you get those um, uh, rings, you know, yeah, those yeah, big yeah, rings yeah, yeah, made yeah. for the. Uh, for the for the, the the title the trophy and that's what atletico did for him so they made him this lovely ring celebrating the record and paying yeah. tribute to him for the record so now he's got one of those big huge uh, diamond one for the uh, world cup with france in 2018 not as big as your wife's wedding ring though no of course no, no, not no, no, as no, you, know, I mean. you know you know you know as well and now so this one is like uh uh like silver gold yes and then this one was gold gold the one from atletico for the record so i think if he comes out clubbing he will yeah. have those massive diamond big encrusted you'd have to be careful everywhere. at the moment with people are nicking watches <laughs> yeah. and things like that they're yeah. probably in the safe somewhere yeah. Yeah. you know in his house or something. but i thought it was a lovely gesture yeah. and then the pie gave him the box and you open the box and there's a video of him and all the gold is called a lovely lovely touch i think oh, from atletico really good sure we mentioned trent alexander arnold on monday show uh, and his knee injury we have now the confirmation that he will be out for mm. a few weeks this is not good news not good news for Liverpool not good news for Trent Alexander-Arnold because no player wants to, to be out injured for yeah. him, particularly a knee um, 
But there are players that can play in those positions and have played in those position, that position very yeah. well. Uh, Bradley, I think, is a much better defender than uh, yeah. Alexander-Arnold. More traditional right-back as well. Yeah. Trend, and yeah. In the games I've seen him play, he's got forward to, to, to good effect. Yeah. He's, he whipped a couple of balls into the... There was one league match where I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, Chelsea. And, yeah, he's causing he, he, Chelsea yeah, he was brilliant in that yeah. game. Uh, so... Yes, it's a loss. And, and Gomez, with Robertson now back, playing at left-back, or he can play at left-back, Gomez can move across to the right-back, where because he actually played well at left-back, so yeah. he, he's, I think his confidence is quite high. So there's players that can play in those positions. What you will miss with Alexander-Arnold, or Liverpool will miss, was that passing ability yeah. when he goes into midfield. I'm not sure Gomez will do that job quite so well, yeah, and I'm not sure not. Bradley will do. They want to play out wide. I guess Bradley is a different type of creativity, right? Yeah. Because he will overlap. He'll overlap, Not yeah. come inside yeah. and then like ping balls and ping mm. passes like that. Yeah. But, but you lose that creativity. So you, lo sure. you lose yeah. the creativity, but you gain better defensive quality, yeah, yeah. I, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, Karim Benzema will not play later today with Al Itihad in the AFC Champions League, Jules. Why is that? No, that's right. It's true. He's been, I mean, dropped, left out, uh, not selected, whatever way you want to put it, uh, by Marcelo Gallardo for this game in, in Uzbekistan, uh, which is later today, as we record on Thursday morning. So there's a few things here. One, they don't get on. Gallardo mm. and Benzema. I yeah. don't think they see football the same way. No. Uh, there was obviously all this uh, when they had their winter break and he didn't show up for their training camp because he was apparently stuck in Mauritius or something like that. There's also the fact that in the Asian Champions League you can only pick five foreign players mm. and Ali Tihad have seven or eight. So he went for Hegazi, the, the, the yeah, centre-back yeah. from Egypt. He went for Conte, for example. So he picked five foreigners already and he said there's no room for Benzema, which I find a bit difficult to understand. I think it's more than to the fact that Gallardo doesn't think that Karim is fit because he was not at the yeah. training camp. But Karim thinks that he's fit, that he could be, he could be able to play. And there's another six... Well, the season... Obviously, he has another six months to go. This is not good. We are in February. He was dropped for the league game at the weekend. He's dropped again for this Champions League. It's not been a great move for him, has it? Last 16 first leg. I just don't know where this is going, what kind of direction. He's 36 now, you know? Mm. And he wanted to leave in January. And the club said, no, we can't let you go. Then they tried to load him to another Saudi club. And he was like, come on. I'm only going to leave one Saudi mm. club to go to another one. I'm just not really sure, yeah, where that's going to go. That's a shame because, it is a shame. I mean, Real Madrid for the last couple of years, he was absolutely sensational. Yeah. Yeah, my guy, Kareem the Dream. He's still the dream for me. Stu, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much again. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Really for good. coming. That was a great show. A lot of things to debrief, the Champions League, all of that. We'll be back on Monday, of course, for another Gab and Jules show. In the meantime, as Gab always said, love yourself, love the game, love your neighbour, something like that.